Hello and welcome to another podcast from Michelle the Practical Medium. And I'm Michelle, and I've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Yeah, I went there. And, uh, well, it is a dark and stormy night, just like Snoopy of the Peanuts always tried to talk about but never got anywhere. So, writer's block, y'all, something I'm very familiar with. And I decided, well, my writer's block's kicking in hard. I've got some space for a deadline. Let's do a podcast because it's almost Halloween. So tonight's podcast topic will be about haunted locations. What goes on, why they exist, why we like to get the dickens kicked out of ourselves in terms of a scare, and what really, why people stick around at these places after they're dead. So we'll see how this goes in terms of the flow. I really don't have a whole lot of this planned out in my head. I've, I've said before, when I sometimes do these things, these podcasts, I get information flowing through me from the other side, and I really don't think it just comes out of my mouth, which is strange to say, but, you know, I think we all have crap that falls out of our mouth at times, and we don't know where it came from, especially when you're autistic. Anyway, so um, I haven't really been planning too much, and I hadn't been thinking too hard about this, so we'll see where it goes, uh, and I apologize if I get a little... Um, a little more rambly and, and off-topic than I usually do. But I will try to stay stay on topic as best I can. Now, the whole concept of a haunted house or a haunted location is one of strange things go bump in the night. And there I go. There's my hat trick for the bad puns or bad state. But what are they called? Anyway, memes? I don't know. I'm being weird. So... They are locations where the dead doesn't want to leave. They are locations where some where blood has been spilled multiple times and it just attracts negative stuff. Uh, there are places where that they were uh, sites of human misery and they just don't let go of the energy. The dead don't let go because that was where their most the tra most traumatic experience of their life was before it ended. Or they spent so much time in a location that they feel that they they can keep hold of it. Hi, Ken. He's pushing down on my hair as I talk. He's gotten stronger lately, and he's been doing more interesting things. And I don't mean that in a sexual way. Go away. Um, like making um, like making plastic bags, Russell. And I'll get to that at the end of this. Uh, he's that's what he's doing. This he's reminding me of something. At the end of this, this will be a little Ken anecdote. So back to the topic of what a, of a haunted location, and you've probably seen many of these things on um, you know the paranormal shows, because why go anywhere if there's not a hook in the form of a haunting? And what's better if it's quote unquote evil and nasty and aggressive? Well, yeah, I can see why because you want to get the snot scared out of you. That's why you go there. And with Halloween, haunted houses, um, attractions, places that are normally haunted year-round, see more uptick in, um, in visitors. And they're on sidetrack for a moment. There are mediums who will say that they don't care for the, the living uh, uh, harassing the dead and, you know, that it upsets the dead and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, there's a point there. But the dead can also, you know, um, just not engage with the living or they can just go away and go on vacation for the month for, for October or just tolerate it because this really, the physical realm isn't their home anymore. And they stay here for whatever reason. Some of them have legit reasons. Some of them have not legit, so legit reasons and others just can't accept the fact they're dead. 
you know, too bad, so sad is my opinion. So um, it's just human nature. You know, you leave a place, you, you leave a, an apartment, you leave it behind, somebody else moves in. Oh, well, you know, that's the nature of beast of the beast. So enough tough love here. So now a reason why places get haunted. We've got various types. We've got the haunt, the home with, uh, with, um, malicious dead entities that don't want to leave because they don't like the living coming in and, um, and changing things up and making the house different. Uh, or they're just defensive of the house in general, or they want to control the property for, through the living, which is possible that that's happened. Uh, and there's a, and they just can't live peacefully with others and they can't move on. Then you have places that are soaked in human misery, like the old uh, tuberculosis sanitariums. You've got the, um, what a, for lack of a better word, the old insane asylums, which are, you know, which got closed in the early 80s. So they're, very, they're still pretty active. Um, the, the people that died there are not, you know, they're not long gone. And sometimes they, because they can't accept the fact that they have a normal brain again, they think they need to stay there because it's where it's safe. It's the most safe place to stay. Um, and other various locations where there was, um, so there's a lot of Native American activity throughout the North, you know, the, um, the continent, North America. And you'll have what used to be hotly contested ground with the natives and they leave stuff behind. The shaman brings up their, what I call sometimes war walkers. I've called them other things, but the war walkers are the most common thing that remain and they're more they're more found in the north if you go to if like canada northern canada northern u.s and canada you go to other locations in the states and they have different um creatures that are designed to frighten the living with their presence so you got all of these kinds of things and even battlefields you know i forgot about battlefields battlefields are still very active because of the amount of uh pressure and pain and trauma and um death that went on there say so they do does the land absorb this stuff yeah but it also is a place where people can't find themselves find it in them to leave so that's basically what you would consider haunted thing things that are haunted and any location it can't doesn't have to be a house it can be a patch of land like i said it can be you know caves where the or not caves mines with miners not even ones that die in mine collapses. I'm talking about miners who were whose lives revolved around the the mine, and they just can't quit mining. They just don't want to let it go. So you have all of these um, these settings, and yeah, that's why they get that's why they're considered haunted because the living can't see what's going on. Where are the 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 light spec the spectrum of light needed to see the dead is not easy to is more it's more present in animals. Well, it is present in animals, but not so much humans because we lost our night vision. So we don't always see the dead with our eyes. And that's most of the time. Even I don't see the dead with my eyes. When I see it, it's in my mind's eye, but it transfers into feeling like it is being seen with my own eyes. It's a strange, strange thing, but it's how it kind of works. It's bypassing my physical vision. Although I'm starting to see things in my regular vision that are like shadows, and that's you know, that's real soothing stuff, I tell ya. Not. So now that we've established what is a haunted location, 
we'll go into the types of personalities that like to stay there. Now, I will say this much. Normal people really don't stick around the places that they lived unless they are waiting for loved ones to come home. Then, but they're, even then, they're not active hauntings. They might occasionally knock something over or they try to rattle something and to get your attention if they can, if they can muster up the strength. But most of the time they don't bother. They just kind of, their job is just to watch people and help them get through their lives and make their, and do the influences to change things for the better and the best way they can. Family that stick around, loved ones that stick around, that's their thing is that they'll just keep an eye on you. That's their job. They keep an eye on the living and it's, you don't know, really know they're there by and large. And, you know, I'll give a, I have a recent example. I have bursitis in my one hip and that's my hip. I can't, the result is I can't always lift my leg up as high as I think it should be. And I don't have awareness sometimes. So last week I'm in my parents' driveway and I was watering their garden and lifted my leg up to step out onto the driveway. I didn't get it high enough and I almost ate shit. I was three hops and I could feel myself losing it. I could feel myself almost hitting the ground until I stopped dead, straight dead. No, no more hopping. And I was upright and I was stable again. It's very scary feeling. I'll tell you that much, but the reason why I didn't stop, didn't go over Ken, he had enough to hit enough oomph to push, to, to stop me and get me to stay upright. It wasn't anything I could feel except for the fact that what should have happened didn't. And I tell you this much, I paid for that, that yank with, for, I'm still paying for it. It was pretty bad, but I don't have broken teeth, which is what, should, what I was fearing because I was going to fall onto a paved driveway and I could have been pretty badly injured if he went for him. So that's an example of what the dead do for us as a living as, as quiet companions, I guess you could say. We just don't know they're there. And most people don't know that their loved ones are there. And they just kind of like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I wonder what changed. That's all we think about it. Now, when it comes to a haunting, however, when you have somebody who's angry or negative or just plain nasty and doesn't want to leave. And that actually was going on at my old place. The second floor neighbor didn't want to leave the building. She was, I'm sure she's still haunting it to this day because she never wanted to leave. It was home to her. But that's, you know, I've had my own experience with that. And um, I've talked about it, I'm pretty sure. And with her, she was, uh, when some when the landlady passed and her family came to take stuff out of the apartment, one of the people, was she attacked him and made him violently ill. I found out later that he was abusing his girlfriend physically and mentally. And the second floor neighbor did not care for abusive men. And she went after him, made him so sick, pardon me while I make, a, make my cup ring, that he was out for a day. He couldn't, couldn't do anything. He was just sick. So that's a, that's a couple of anecdotes there. But we'll get to the people who haunt, the, the reason why people go to these locations looking for nastiness and because and and looking for evidence it's because the people that stick around and make the living's life miserable are just assholes period you wouldn't have liked them in life they may have been charming when you first met them but the more you got to know them the more you realized that they were you know human garbage and you didn't want anything to do with them 
and they take advantage of their status as an invisible to use their anger to build up their strength and lash out. It's literally a thing of lashing out. Uh, Ken was very worried about that in the beginning that he would have to develop this anger, this pool of anger to have enough physicality to touch people, touch me, touch anybody really. And it didn't work out like that. It just take, took him longer to build it up. So there's a difference right there. Assholes use their anger and will lash out and it's fast and it's nasty. And because of the buildup of energy that you feel prior to the release, your proprioception nerves or the sixth sense are saying danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson, and you don't know what's happening. So and when something moves suddenly or there's a sensation or there's a, you know, there's any number of things that can happen in these situations and you don't see anybody behind it, but you feel like there's somebody behind it. That's why you get scared. And that is the source is an absolute dickwad. So that's actually a violation too of uh, the physical over the, 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 the dead over the living, but it's not a law. It's just a violation. And that goes to, that's another topic entirely. So that is um, how I would, uh, that's a haunted location with somebody who's angry. This applies to what you see on TV where they look, where, where, you know, it's like they go to jails or they go to houses with a lot of activity and trying to separate the, the real ghosts from residual because residual activity is mindless. Residual activity are automatic things we do like cooking in the kitchen and turning off the stove and, you know, as we always do every day or going up a set of stairs at a set time of night or, you know, sitting down to watch TV and the couch creaks underneath us. Well, if that couch is still in the house that's being investigated and it's that time to sit down and watch TV, that couch might creak. And you're like, wait, what? How is that possible? I, that's something I really don't understand myself, but I have been also um, in the presence where the floors creaked randomly and I'm like, but you're not supposed to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't know. So that's a little more of the... Um, they're not benign, but you also it's because you don't know they're there, it's scarier. From my point of view, I'm blasé about it because I can see them and I can sense them. And I can just sit there and give them the big old stink guy and say, are you really going to try this on a physical person? Which would take all the fun out of a haunted house or a haunted location and investigating it. But, you know, I, I, I've never tested that but uh, in the sense, but I do know if I were to, that what effect on me would be different than the effect on the living. But I will promise you, I do promise you listeners that in a uh, few months, if COVID still, if COVID stays low or if the, the numbers stay low and I feel safe traveling, I will go to a haunted museum and I will report back on that experience because I'm curious. The one reason why I haven't gone is because us mediums pick up hitchhikers and I've had enough of hitchhikers. I've, my, my refrigerator has been quiet lately for the past few, uh, probably the past two, three months. Ever since I uh, called somebody out on the carpet, there's been no visitors through here. And I like it that way. I don't like living in a haunted house because even though I can't, uh, I can see most of the time, there are times that some get under the radar and try to, sco to scare me. And I'm just like, I may not be able to see you with my internal vision, but I know you're here because you just told me you're here. So goodbye, get lost. And I white light them out of my apartment. That's another story for another day. So that is, you know, so the, to move on, I would say that the real scary places 
are the old insane asylums uh, or the mental health sanitariums. Um, not even a cemetery would scare me uh, the, so much. Not a, not the um, not a prison because even though there's a lot of nasty crap in prison, most of the time people who are imprisoned are of somewhat sound mind. The inside the asylums, however, are a completely different story because they are, in terms of human misery, they are the bigger warehouses of human pain, suffering, and and trauma than even a prison is. And um, I'm going to pause here for a second. I need to catch my breath. Pardon me. Asthma kicks in and I can't talk, draw enough breath to speak. Story of my life. Okay, so the insane asylums are full of people. Yeah, you could say they're like an Arkham Asylum kind of stuff. And obviously Arkham Asylum is based on reality, and but they've turned everybody into characters. You do, but you have people who lived in an era before mental uh disorders and diseases and um, malfunctions were very well understood and you have you know you have caregivers who just like any time in history get burned out on taking care of people and don't do as good of a job as they could you have those who are you have predators who get into these jobs to have access to the the disadvantaged and vulnerable populations and use that to perform whatever twisted shit they wanted to perform or just to be callous and abuse people without consequence. Um, so you've got, what else? So you have people who are criminally insane, who have no concept of what it is to be, um, you know, sociopaths, psychopaths. They don't, which uh, so, sociopathy has been turned to bipolar, um, not bipolar, excuse me, borderline personality disorder, it's now called, but it's the same, it, it's an inability to really reach your emotions or you live in such an emotional state that you don't have rationality. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I realize I'm being a little glib, but that's, this podcast is too short for me to sit there and go into the DM, um, DSM-5, I think we're on. So that is... And you, that is what some of the things. And then you had people who had lobotomies living in, in, in these places because that was thought as a way to cure insanity. You just got this mix of humanity that just should never, this population should have never have been created, but we didn't know what we were doing at the time. So these people, when they're dead, they are so wrapped up in their psychosis that even though they don't have a body that with chemicals to... Uh, and, and nervous systems to really deliver the, the, the bad um, the bad information because it's like the body works the body is a, works by impulses electrical impulses and those when those impulses aren't firing right and they never will fire right you have situations where you just can't really resolve it Medica modern medication medicine is a lot better obviously but when you're going back to I'd say pre-1970s before we really started getting a handle on it it was bad. It was really bad. And there's a lot of documentaries out there on YouTube that can highlight just how bad it is. So you get that going on and you get a mix of these people all in the same place and the buildings absorb it, the land absorbs it, and you have people who don't want to leave because they, again, they don't know they're dead sometimes. They don't know how to move on. They don't realize that they are um able to because there's nobody there you know showing them out and um 
a lot of times I think these places do not want them these these places cleansed to release the dead because that's how they they these buildings survive, and it's just nature of the beast. So eventually, these the people that stay in these asylums will move on, but it's not been long enough in their timelines. Uh, post uh, um, it's not post mortem. I can't think of um, the Latin word for what it would be right now, but never mind. So they're they're there, and they don't. They're kind of not blind to the intrusions of people, but they just don't recognize why people are there and why people are trying to connect with them. There are um, ones that will just try to interact there and say, you know, try to talk to you through whatever spirit box or device uh, an investigator has. Then there are ones that are just so sick and tired of being viewed as a zoo exhibit that they will try to take it out on the living. And because they were not necessarily nice people in life and, you know, violently insane, they do their best to take it out on the living. Um, if they can't do what they want to do to the living because they don't have the physical, uh, they don't have enough physicality or they don't have the ability to sustain the physicality, they will find other things to mess with. So they will make noises, they will slam doors, they will rattle doorknobs. Um, and something, there's a comment about rattling doorknobs is not necessarily a conscious behavior, but when it is a conscious behavior, it's done to scare the living. Sometimes people rattle doorknobs because they're just trying to get out of a door out of a locked room they were in a locked room for their own safety whatever take your pick how why they were in it but they rattle the door because they're just trying to get out because they don't understand why they are in these rooms or they do and they want out you know it's it's sad and it's uh, kind of distressing i realize it's just i'm i'm just kind of reporting these things as opposed to trying to go oh that's awful because these feelings that are coming through with what i'm talking about are not pleasant but this is reporting and letting people know what it's like on the other side. Um, so the insane asylums, you like I said, you have this mix of people and then you bring in the living who are trying to connect with the dead to find out what's going on. And honestly, I don't know what investigators expect, but the dead didn't communicate well in life. Do you think you're going to communicate any better in death? Nope. Um, do I think that the insane asylums should be left alone? Yes, because the, uh, the residents will move on once they are clear enough of their previous state, because it does happen. They do the, your psyche does clear up and it does fade away and you realize, holy crap, what am I here for? And the activity of, of the living, looking for the dead in these places prolongs that however i'm not going to criticize it or say that's a bad thing to do because it's everybody's uh, destiny to do these things and it's experience it's also experience for the dead it's also experience for the living eh, you know and if we didn't have this stuff we wouldn't i wouldn't be here sitting talking about it either so i'm just kind of neutral on it all so do you, do I think you should not go to these insane asylums or these these places that are seriously haunted? This is a purely personal decision. You know, I'm not saying that anybody should or shouldn't. I just say go in there and please be skeptical. Please be, you know, mindful of what's going on is designed by the other side to 
scare the bejesus out of somebody and you know enjoy the experience as much as you can for something that's supposed to frighten you you know but in the long run are you harming anything no there's really no long lasting harm just people who are other side you know other sides of a one-way mirror so to speak we're on the side that's got the mirror they're on the side that can see through the mirror and they can observe the living yeah so they want their they, they want to make you know they make their decisions to scare the crap out of people that's fine and i know i keep repeating that phrase but it just keeps like looping in my head so let's try to get out of it now some stories are genuinely sad there there are stories about people who and robert just came through and i think that was from an episode of ghostbusters the name robert uh ghostbusters wow i'm good tonight of ghost adventures where there was a um they did one of the early episodes where they uh went to an, a famous asylum and there was a gentle giant that still was the shadow who was still seen so i don't know what the reference is there but you know the name came up and i'm thinking that's what i'm being told he's somebody who was so simple in life that he's still very simple in death and he's uh refusing to move forward move you know to regain his sense of being because he doesn't think he can be any other way so that's a story something sad and you do run into that everywhere and any place that there's a haunting and um there are just people who never have the sense that they you know to to that there's more and it takes somebody like me to go and release them but it's not my it's really something that uh, if i'm called in to do it i will do it but otherwise i leave it alone because it's also a free will thing because somebody's perception is that they can't leave that's their own free will at work i'm not going to sit there and try to convince them otherwise because it ain't my job i'm not that i'm not that kind of a medium where i release the dead i can it's just not my favorite thing because i just don't feel genuine when i do it because of what you have to say and how you have to do it uh, and I'm like, God dang, I know this is right for the person on the other side and this is what they need, but man, I can't, I can't connect it. So I feel like a fraud. Yeah, right. I'm a psychic medium that feels like a fraud. That's a great combination, ain't it? So on, well, moving on from that topic, because the other one is coming to the fore about the people. Okay. So you'll have, I'm going to stop and start over. There are plenty of sightings of the people that once lived in a place still being seen. So, okay, somebody lived there. They were famous. There was an incident um, that made the, the tragic the tragic story and, you know, like um, the Winchester Mansion in uh, California comes to mind. Or you have people like the, 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 the ship captain's wife who's waiting for his return and he never returned and she's been on the balcony ever since. And even in Chicago, uh, Resurrection Mary is a popular one. She's on the south side somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. But there's, um, a, there's a graveyard. And the story goes with her is that she was walking home from a dance. And she got hit by a car. And she was killed. And she was wearing a white dress. Whether, and then for decades, people um, would pick her up. And you know, you know they'd see her walking on the side of the road. And they would pick her up. And she would they would go to drive her home and she'd disappear so there's enough of those stories that there's a grain of truth to them and eventually you know some people the reason why these hauntings happen and why people see them is just the circumstances are right the light is right the you know the, there's 
any number of ways, reasons why. And again, that's one thing that Intel has not come to me on. And I'll get to it at some point. But why these people stay where they are, why they don't move on, it comes down to unfinished business in their mind. Um, they feel that they need to keep vigil, even though they are supposedly, they, they should be reunited with their loved one. And they usually are. But a part of them can't let go. Part of them can't let go of what happened. A part of them can't let go of their home. They feel that they need to keep doing this until something, until they reach closure. And it's something that carries with them after life. So in Resurrection Mary's uh, story, and I don't think that's even really her name, Mary that is, uh, but she's been called that. She was on her way home and she got, she died. She was hit by a car and she was killed. And she probably, you know, the feeling I get when I tap in a little bit is that she doesn't feel like she ever made it home. And it's very simple and it's poignant to her, but she wanted to get home, even though what happened to her is almost, and it's almost been a hundred, hundred years. And I mean, I've been hearing this story since I was a little girl in the seventies. So we're going on a long time of this, of her existence. Now, have there been recent sightings of her? I haven't heard any. I don't know. Um, I haven't, nothing's come up. And it might be more of one of those things where people go down to where she's, the, go down to the street where you might see her and hopefully f run into her. It's the same with Bachelor's Grove in um, uh, Cemetery, which is a cemetery and forest preserve. Bachelor's Grove is another famous one that's very, that was very active. And the dead there got pissed off at the living trying to, to mess with their stuff. So... Bachelor's Grove is another place that's very active and the dead do their best to distract the living from making it into the uh, cemetery. That's, you know, and that's a protective thing. They, you know, and that's probably why the Forest Preserve even was created out there is to, is because the family, the, the dead there managed to sway the living into turning it into a protected place. And, uh, so there's, you know, there's any number of reasons, just like we have with being alive, why we do these things, the dead do the same thing. Then a lot of times they just don't want to move on. They like life. They like living. They don't want to go through the whole incarnation and, and, and going through childhood again to reach adulthood and then maybe not do the things that they intended to do in exactly the same way, because that's what our existence is about. And that's what being human is about, really. We want to do things our way because we like to control things in our lives the best we can. And we, you know, we try to do it and even in death. And I'd say the control freaks are the worst because, well, they're control freaks. Why do you want to, um, you know, have to do it the hard way when you can try to do it, quote unquote, the easy way? So, you know, so that hopefully I've uh, given some insight here. I can't um, think of anything else. And I will get to the uh, the Ken story in a second. And, uh, well, maybe a minute. But, um you know, it's, uh, I try to be as insightful as I can. And this one, I only get so much insight, except, you know, there's no in-depth here. Like I like to dig into usually because everybody has a different reason for haunting. Like you said, with the negative energy spots, the they're the more, they're more active because they feel like they're at war with the living or they don't want the living to be to come into their space or they're going to try to mess with the living. You have the asylums where it's a similar thing, but you also have the people that were just so confused in life mentally uh, that they can't move on in death because they still think that they're in the same state that they were when they were alive. Yeah, it's complex. 
you know, there's nothing really, um, nothing really different sometimes from being alive or dead. With a lot of people get this impression that when you die, that you turn into some angelic creature and you're perfect and you know everything. And it's really not the case. We are messy in death as we are in life. And we just have, um, we just don't have the body chemicals and, um, and bad wiring in some cases to a nervous system wiring, by the way, to make us uh, make good decisions. So, you know, if that comforts people that we're just as big, we're just as screw ups in the dead as we are in life. Wonderful. If not, sorry, it's just, nobody has come to me and said any different like nobody has come to me and said, well, I'm free of all this and it's awesome. Well, that's, you know, they, they've all come to me and told me, well, I'm still experiencing this or this is still going on and boy, does it suck. And can you help me figure out how to get rid of it and move on so with, from this state of mind? I've had that happen. Um, or, well, this is who I am and I like being this way and gosh darn you all. Eh, you know, big deal. <laughs> I know, I'm saying big deal. Um, but it's just the spice of life. It's the spice of death. And... Uh, gross as that may sound. Yeah. Oh God. I'm getting the image of a stew pot and I'll save you the rest. Thanks, Ken. He's gross. Uh, so on that note, coming back to, uh, Mr. Ken here. So as I talked about his physicality, which means his ability to put enough density into his fingers has really gotten strong of late. And part of it is my own agency and changing the way my changes have been going. He does draw from me. I draw from him. We have an energy exchange and get, get your minds out of the gutter, guys. It's not sexual. Trust me. But, um, there, you know, so he does some things with, through my agency, but he also does things, uh, through his own strength. And, um, so one of my habits, bad habits is when I come home from a day of shopping, I will walk into my kitchen and I will drop my bags. And I don't put everything away right away, apart from like getting the stuff that needs to be refrigerated. So I just kind of half-ass my, my laundry, my, my laundry, my groceries. And that's because I'm, as I've said, I live alone. I have no partner and I've been out doing things all day long. I am tired. I'm not a young, not a young chick. Um, so I leave things in, in the kitchen for a couple hours sometimes and I'll go back and do it later. Well, this annoys Mr. Ken there. He's annoyed with all the bags that I leave laying around. And I'm always saying, yeah, well, why don't you help me get this stuff out the door then? You know, gee, thanks. You're so helpful with your annoyance. Um, so lately I've had bags rustling in the kitchen. And I've still got my mousy infestation to a degree, but they are not able to get off the counter they're of uh, the kitchen. I have done things so that they're limited to the counter and these things just don't give up no matter how much I make it, make it non-appealing to come in here. They still freaking come in here. So I knew that the rustling wasn't a mouse. Um, and I'm sitting there going like, Oh, what the hell? What now? Who's doing this? And not getting any answer because Ken can still, you know, hide from me. And, uh, uh, he can hide things from me. He can't do it from Linda, but he can do it from me. He can keep stuff from me. That's okay. We don't need to know every, uh, you know, I don't need to know all of his crap and he doesn't know, know all of my crap. It's normal. Right? Right. So in the, there was a rustling one night, a few nights ago, there was a rustling in my kitchen and then I'm in my bedroom and I had um, a bag of clothes sitting on something 
fall over just out of the blue. I get up out of my, I was getting up from the bed and the bag just fell over. Then there was another incident with a bag falling over in another room. And I'm sitting there going like, okay, something's up. We have three incidents in one night and it's the same type of incident. So I said something to Linda and she goes, is he being a douchebag? And I said, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I can't feel who's doing it. And, and she comes back with, uh-oh, yeah, he's cackling. He's sick and tired of all these bags lying around in your apartment and wants you to clean them up. <laughs> nah, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, that's the general gist of it. And I'm like, I give the finger to the air, say, yeah, right, help me. Help me with my trash, please. You know, help me organize my apartment so I don't have to leave things in bags. You know, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot. And, um... A few seconds later, I got this itch in the back of my head that on Halloween, his ex is going to get a real nasty surprise. <laughs> so is he an asshole? Yeah. Is he mean? No. But will he take the opportunity to troll from the other side? Yeah. So something's big's going to move on Halloween in that house and she's going to go through the roof. Oh my God. Oh, I never thought I'd be on the inside of a joke with a dead guy, you know, but here is my life. So on that note, hopefully any questions got answered. If uh, you have any questions, quibbles, you know, my email's there. And even though I'm not podcasting frequently right now, um, I still am around. I am still happy to talk and, you know, help you out if you need it. So drop me a line if you want a reading, whatever, you know. Don't think that because I'm not doing podcasts or if I say I'm just busy with other stuff doesn't mean that I never can, I can't make time. I can always make time for somebody. So, uh, all right, on that note, um, hope everybody's healthy and uh, staying away from the, the, the Rona and uh, looking forward to a brighter future. I know I am. I'm kind of ready for it. Take care. Thanks for listening. Love you all. You're wonderful for coming back and anytime I put something out and listening to me babble. And if uh, I can wrap, get something for going for Halloween with Linda, I most certainly will. Thanks a lot.